Hello, it's Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for a weekly football recap on the Big D Podcast. Before I bring in Alex for his weekly contribution, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We can see all our content. Sorry, we're not perfect with our playoff picks, but we'll, we'll be. We'll try and get perfect sooner or later. You can also check out my wide receiver video from last night. Also check out the Big D podcast on Spotify and Apple. So um, back for his um, weekly edition with me is to talk championship Sunday as Alex. Alex, I hope you're not freezing on the other side of the state. Yeah, you know, it's been I spent the weekend in Pittsburgh, you know, coming back down to Florida. I know it's been I know it's been a cold weekend down here, but it feels like it feels like summertime compared to what I was dealing with up there. But um, no, it's uh, great to be here as always, Dylan. Pleasure to be here. Can't wait to uh, talk about the two games yesterday. And uh, it's almost that time of the year. It's almost Super Bowl time, baby. But uh, we got a couple of weeks until that. We, we still got to go over these games. So but like I said, pleasure to be here and uh, can't wait to get started. So, in what may be one of the biggest championship Sunday upsets we've ever seen, can you uh, the Cincinnati Bengals? That's right, the Cincinnati Bengals shocked the football world by beating Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs twenty-seven to twenty-four in overtime. Joe Burrow in just the second year is going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, I mean, and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are gone or finito. Going golfing. <laughs> Hit the links. No, I mean it's it's you know, it's I guarantee you there wasn't very many Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl predictions at the start of the season or even at the start of the playoffs, I would even say. I mean, I think uh, the majority of people had the AFC running through either Kansas City or um, uh, Buffalo. And I know that's those were the two teams that we picked coming out of the AFC. Obviously, we uh, didn't quite hit the mark there. I don't I mean, other than Cincinnati Bengals diehards, I don't think a lot of people saw uh, Joe Burrow and company being able to get it done. I mean. To be honest, though, I do want to uh, call back to our uh, episode at the very start of the playoffs. And I do think I mentioned a quick, a nice little comment there saying, hey, if there's any underdog team to watch in the AFC, watch out for those Cincinnati Bengals. I do believe that did come out of my mouth at the start of these playoffs. So I'll take a little bit of credit for that. But, you know, I mean, you know, obviously uh, they weren't my Super Bowl pick. I had them as a sleeper, but um you know, congrats to them. I mean, it's 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 great to be able to see new teams going to uh, get to the Super Bowl. You know, we, we've seen so many Tom Brady Super Bowls. We've seen so many Patrick Mahomes Super Bowls. It's nice to be able to get a little bit of a different flavor going in there. So it's, I can't wait for the game. It's going to be great. But, you know, congrats to the Cincinnati Bengals for doing what I don't think very many people expected them to be able to pull off. I saw some – uh, this is how crazy the Bengals' odds for making this winning the AFC championship all this year. I saw somebody on Twitter with with a thousand dollar free bet for the Cincinnati Bengals to make the Super Bowl. Wow! And you know how much that person won? How much? I'll give you a hint. More. more uh, <laughs> 
back in the day, it was a nice, it was a pretty decent championship of Super Bowl share. <laughs> I bet. You want me to tell you how many digits it was? Yeah, go for it. Wow, a little fiver? Nice. $60,000. I don't mean... $1,000 free bet. Free bet, wow. I don't mean to kind of trump you here, but I did see something on Twitter yesterday. Maybe the craziest bet that has ever been placed and the craziest bet that's ever been won. I'm not sure if you saw this, but I saw yesterday one person threw a bet on a exact score parlay for both games Bengals 27 Chiefs 24 Rams 20 49ers 17 threw $20 down and won $579,000 holy snikes I mean if if back to the future isn't real (laughs) then I don't know what could be happening with that because to be able to nail to the T both championship game scores, I mean, man deserves that much money and more. They may, they should they should double it just because of the absolute insanity of being able to hit that bet. Just making a million, just making a cool million. Exactly. I mean, like that man has that's the luckiest day that he will ever have by far. But congrats, I mean, congrats to him for even having the cojones to place that bet let alone winning it. I mean, obviously, you know, 20 bucks, it's not like you're throwing your life on the line for that, but you sure change in your life with the outcome of that. Well, um, to me, speaking of change in life, two guys who have changed lives in Cincinnati, Joe Burrow and Jamal Chase, I mean, whether it's probably a year or two early, I mean, is it a year or two early or the Bengals for real? No, I mean, they're absolutely for real. You can't not be for real if you make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, this has been the craziest season. This has been the craziest NFL season that I might have ever seen. I mean, the amount of ridiculous upsets, the amount of just crazy games, crazy finishes, overtimes. I mean, you know Josh Allen when he saw the Kansas City Chiefs win that coin toss yesterday. I don't even know. I don't know if you saw his tweet, but he just uh, tweeted pain. Um after after watching Kansas City win that uh, win that coin toss, because you know what what he must have been feeling. But no, I mean they're they're legit. I mean they're in the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, second year. Jamar Chase, rookie receiver. I mean these two guys, Bengals fans have got to be absolutely hyped. Obviously for the upcoming Super Bowl, but just about their future. I mean, obviously it's a tough conference with uh you know you're still going to be having to deal with Josh Allen for a long time. Patrick Mahomes is in his prime. I mean, but. The fact that they made it to the Super Bowl this year, it's got to, it's got to cast no doubt in anyone's eyes about how serious and legit these Cincinnati Bengals really are. I mean, I don't remember too many teams that have that have gone up this many steps because two years ago, Cincinnati was the worst team known. Last yeah. year, Cincinnati got the fifth pick in the draft. Yeah, and now the Cincinnati Bengals. One game away from being Super Bowl champs, I mean, what this friend, I mean, maybe it's just the year because 2021 has seen so plenty of surprise. The Atlanta Braves won their first world championship since 1995. Georgia football won its first national championship in 41 years. And hell with the top it off, the Cincinnati Bengals are playing their first Super Bowl in either one of our lifetimes. I know. 
And the craziest thing about it, too, is this is the same Cincinnati Bengals team who got swept by the Cleveland Browns this season and lost to the New York Jets. I mean, it's just uh, it's it's. It, it there's this season it's just hard to even talk about as as fans and as podcasters and just because there's just so many questions that you have about how did this happen how did they win that game how did they lose that game how did he score that touchdown how did he throw for that i mean it's just been i, I like i said earlier i mean i just cannot remember an nfl season with as many twists as many turns as many upsets as many crazy storylines as we've seen this year but I mean, you've, it's, I mean, I just, it's been a, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how the Cincinnati Bengals won their first playoff game in 30 plus years. And now all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl. It's just, I mean, it's, it's the storyline of storylines. It's like I said earlier as well. I mean, it's nice to be able to see a team that, that kind of came out of nowhere that, I mean, like you said, they were the worst team in the league two years ago. They have a top five pick last year and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl. It's just, I mean, it's 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 a testament to the amount of work that, that Zach Taylor has put into that team. It's a testament to the amount of progress and uh, that Josh uh, Josh Burrow, that uh, Joe Burrow has has made over the last season, two seasons, and then obviously, I mean, you know, a lot of people were questioning the Cincinnati Bengals at the beginning of the season and the off season about why they didn't take Penai Sewell, why didn't they protect Joe Burrow. Why? I mean, obviously, yeah, he has the chemistry with Jamar Chase, but you, he's not going to be able to get the ball to him if he's on his butt in, in, in two seconds after the snap. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase sure proved those people wrong because Penai Sue and the Detroit Lions, I'll just say this, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. So uh, credit the to Joe. Uh, the Detroit Lions have never made the Super Bowl. I mean, I uh, how, you, you might be able to guess which teams have never played in the Super Bowl. I mean, I know the Detroit Lions are one of them. And I know Matthew Stafford is very excited to be uh, to be a Super Bowl uh, participant this season. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But no, nah, it's just I mean, it's it's a great story for the Bengals. It's a great turnaround. It's something that I hope to see out of my Miami Dolphins sometime soon. But, um, you know, it's it's congratulations to them. You know, it's interesting. There's a little bit of deja vu with the Bengals because in week 17 against the Chiefs, yeah. guess how many points the Cincinnati Bengals gave up to the Chiefs in the second half? In the second half? I don't quite remember in the second half. Two points? Three points. Oh, it looked like you were holding up two fingers. I was like, I don't remember a safety in that game, but yeah. And guess how many points the Chiefs scored in the second half yesterday? Three points. And you know what? And you know what else has happened in all three postseason games this year? The Bengals got a key interception yep. that clinched the game against Derek Cole, Ryan Tanhill, and some guy you may have heard of, Patrick Mahomes. And you know what else has happened in all three postseason games? What's that? Let's see. He's on. Let's see. Sid Kicking, you might have heard of this guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what his nickname is. Uh, Evan McPherson, Shooter McPherson, whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's attempting 12 field goals, four in every game. Yep. And he's 12 for 12 in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I Including mean, two walk off field goals. Yeah. He's, I, you know, from the University of Florida Gators. I mean, chop, chop. 
Chomp Chomp, baby. You know, it's great to see a Gator in the Super Bowl, and it's great to see a Gator have that much uh, contribution throughout the playoffs and in the championship game to get his team to the Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, he, he's got he's got to be. I don't know if there's a special teams MVP or, or a kicker MVP. I can't, uh, but uh, he definitely deserves to win one if there is. By the way, who is the unsung hero for this Bengal team? Because there's somebody we. There's so many we overlook. I mean, yeah, people know Joe Burrow, Jamal Chase, Joe Mixon, Zach Taylor, but who's the unsung hero for this Bengal team? Hmm. I mean, I honestly, my my real my true answer to that would be Evan McPherson. I mean, he's been getting a lot of coverage lately because, but I mean, I'm I'm sure there's someone specific popping up in your head. So I'd like to hear what you're thinking there. I mean. Obviously, you know, I, I as a soccer player, I don't think kickers get enough love. So uh, I've always been a little partial towards the kickers, whereas a lot of people put, t- tend to put a lot of blame on the kickers for when they miss. Um, so my my immediate thought there is Evan McPherson, but I know that that's probably not who you're thinking of. So I'm interested to see where uh, where you're going with that. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if we call him unsung hero, but T Higgins, but yeah, T Higgins was big yesterday, especially oh, yeah. in the. Uzama, uh, Uzama mm-hmm. basically left in the first quarter with a horrible-looking knee injury. But T. Higgins, I mean, a lot of people look at Jamal Chase as a key, but T. Higgins is really important, too. When Clemson won the 2018 National Championship, T. Higgins was big. And one of the and I miss I want T Higgins with the Jags so bad because Higgins Lawrence and T Higgins would be like Joe Burrow and Jamal Chase. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a great that's a great call. I I should have I should have had that pop in my head. I mean, he was their leading receiver yesterday. I mean, obviously, like you said, Joe Burrow and Jamal Chase get all the love, but I mean. Obviously, uh, Tyler Boyd didn't have much as much of a contribution uh, yesterday. Uh, he wasn't necessarily needed, I, I would say. But, um, you know, T. Higgins is, has been that that one B to Jamar Chase's one A all year. And you're, you're absolutely right. He is. He doesn't get the love that he deserves. And uh, it's it's got to be great for for Joe Burrow, because, I mean, you know, when I mean, as a defense uh, game plan against the, the Cincinnati Bengals offense. You know you have to stop Joe Mixon because you can't let them run all over, run all over you. But well, I mean, when you think that passing game, you immediately think about Jamar Chase, and that's and you know that that opens plenty of opportunities for T. Higgins, and he sure took advantage of him yesterday, and he helped this team go to a Super Bowl. But um, you know. Uh, Obviously, you know, we, we uh, the Cincinnati Bengals deserve a lot of praise. I mean, they are going to the Super Bowl. They won the game. But I do want to talk to you really quick about um, you know, the other side of the coin. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, you looked at that first half. I mean, Kansas City jumps out to an early lead. They've got It, it looks like they're just going to run away with it from, from the way they were playing in the first half. I mean, up, what, 21 to 3 at one point in that first half, I believe. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like, a big blunder at the end of the first half just kind of killed all of the momentum for them. They go into the locker room, you know, obviously if they score that touchdown at the end of the first half there, they've got all of the moment. I mean, they already had momentum going into the locker room, but I mean, there had to have been a flip of a switch there. And then the second half, 
a whole different Patrick Mahomes came out. And uh, I want to know what you what you thought about Mahomes yesterday, because obviously I think it was a tale of two halves. But um, I mean, what do you what do you see from the reigning from the reigning? I mean, baby goat, as a lot of people call him. Yeah, baby goat. But to me, I I knew a letdown could come after what Mahomes, Josh Allen, Mahomes did in the AFC in the division round. Right. In the first half, Pat Mahomes looked like himself for 29 minutes and 55 seconds. Then I don't know what happened man, in the first half. I mean, it looked like a deer in the headlight moments where Kansas City, I think he thought Kansas City still could call timeout, but the Chiefs didn't have a timeout. And he forgot you either throw that ball out of bounds or to the end zone. Yeah. And uh, Tyreek Hill didn't have a prayer in reaching the end zone. Right. No, not a chance. And then the second half, I, I don't think I've ever seen Pat Mahomes play a Wolf's half of football. He looked tied. He made way too many mistakes, held the ball way too long. Yeah. Had to force it, took sacks, barely fumbled. I mean, I mean, the two interceptions were just, ugh. Yeah. And even the start of all the time, the first play of all the time could have and probably should have been intercepted. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, at the end of the fourth quarter, Mahomes almost cost the Chiefs a chance to tie by running running around and taking like a 15-yard loss and making Buckford kick a 43-44 yard field goal. I mean, that was the worst half of football I've ever seen Pat Mahomes play. And he is 100% solely responsible for the Chiefs losing that game. The Chief defense played well enough to win, limited Jamal Chase, Burrow didn't play his best game. But Pat Mahomes is 100% responsible for why Kansas City is not playing in LA. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I obviously, I mean, I have no choice but to agree with you there. I mean, it's pretty black and white. I mean, he just looks stiff. It looked like, I mean, he he's not, you know, it, we're so used what used to when we're seeing Patrick Mahomes play. I mean, his his mobility, his creativity, his ability to escape guys, you know, make cre- extend plays, run around, find the open man. He get and I mean, when he does that, he, when you've got and when you've got the weapons like Travis Kelsey and and Tyreek Hill and and Michael Hardman and and Bryson Pringle, I mean, when you've got weapons like that and he's able to extend the play that long, it's almost impossible to, impossible to be able to cover guys like that, either a big body like Travis Kelsey or a speed demon like Tyreek Hill. But it just seemed like you know he had all the time in the world. And that was the craziest thing is it seemed like every time I watched Patrick Mahomes drop back, he had a year and a half to be able to throw the ball, but instead of kind of moving around and, and flowing with the play and giving and, and, and creating, um, uh, you know, cause you know, wide receivers are taught you run your route. And if you see that quarterback still got, still got his hands on the ball, you've got to be able, that's, that's when you create the space. That's when you create, create the route. Someone checks too. someone goes long, someone cuts across the middle, you know, you're giving him those, those extra windows to be able to throw to. But when you're just standing in the pocket, it really limits your receiver's ability because you can't, you can't have everyone crash to the middle because all, then all this, the entire secondary is going to be in the middle. But what, 
And that and that's what Patrick Mahomes has always been so good at is about being able to scramble, being able to hit the, head towards those sidelines, have someone be able to break out deep, have someone be able to break close to him on the sideline or break down the sideline. And it just seemed like he was just kind of standing in the middle of the field, hoping his teammates were going to be able to make something happen instead of him being able to be the one who makes something happen, which is what we've always been so accustomed to seeing. I mean, he just looked stiff. He looked a little confused out there. He looked like he wasn't exactly sure what he needed to be doing or what he should have been doing. Like, I mean, like you said, it was the worst second half of football you've ever seen Patrick Mahomes play. And I have to tail on to that because it just looked like a completely different quarterback. I mean, now I'll tell you what, the one thing I told you before we started, I had, I had a bit of a hot take about this game and you kind of set me up perfectly for it. You said you put 100% of the responsibility on Patrick Mahomes yesterday. And I I agree to you to an extent. I agree to you to an extent because of the one reason. Yes, Patrick Mahomes had a terrible second half. He did not look like the Patrick Mahomes that we're used to seeing. And he did not look like a Patrick Mahomes who wanted to go to a Super Bowl. However, my one counter to that is the play call at the end of that first half because that wasn't a Patrick Mahomes decision at the end of that first half. And I think that one play alone cost them that game. I'm looking at this play and I'm saying, look, there's five seconds on the clock. You have no timeouts. How you throw that ball anywhere, but the end zone is just, you have Travis Kelsey. You have one of the biggest, most dominating targets in the NFL, a man who you can just throw the ball up to, and we've seen him come down with it time and time again. He's almost impossible to cover because you you can throw it anywhere, and he's going to be able to go up and get that ball. But that was a designed play, it looked like. I mean, everyone was moving off to the left. The route was a, a route to the flat, and you dump it off and expect him to be able to get past. I mean, I put a, a chunk of the blame on, on the offensive play calling there because – I just don't understand if you you in that situation to be able to add an extra seven points to that score at the end of the first half. I'm not so sure with another with that scoring a touchdown there at the end of that half. You carry even more momentum going into halftime instead of completely flipping and, and telling the Cincinnati Bengals, oh, my God. They didn't score there where they absolutely should have. We might have a chance to do something here. You give you give the Bengals hope. You give them a little bit of momentum for a huge defense to stop at the end of the first half, and, and the Cincinnati Bengals take that and run with it. I mean, how you don't just take a quick snap, hold the ball for a second, put your fingers on the laces, and slash that ball across to Travis Kelsey, running a quick slant, running an, a, a, a three-yard in and cutting across – and, and the thing about that is if you get that ball out quick enough and that ball falls incomplete, you might have another extra second on that clock. It would have been close. I, I don't know if they would have been able to get a second playoff in that amount of time, but it would have been close. You definitely, however, do not have a chance to run another play if you throw that ball in the flat. I mean, if that ball doesn't go in the end zone, that's the last play that happened no matter what. You might be able to run a quick slant, fall, have it fall incomplete, and be able to dial up another play. But I just – it looked like a design pl play to the flat, and it just blew my mind why they would sacrifice an ex a potential – and it wasn't a given, but a potential extra play and not go to one of the most mismatched players on your offense in that situation. So, yes, Patrick Mahomes did have a terrible second half in that game, and he definitely was a big part of why they lost that game. But, man, that was a blown play call at the end of the first half, and I think a big part of that loss falls on that decision because – uh, like I said, I mean, you give the Bengals momentum, you give them a little bit of hope, and they took it and ran with it, and they ended up going to the Super Bowl.
I know I blew you away with that take, huh? No. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I mean, you what? You want to go on about this game a little bit more? You uh, you feel like it's time to switch it up? Let's head to the California coast. All right, let's head to the California coast. I mean, you, we, we all, obviously, I don't think there was much of a football fan who doesn't know what happened in, in either of these two games yesterday. But uh, the L.A. Rams are joining the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl with a final score of 20 to 17 over the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, we talked about this game yesterday. I, I, this game was closer than I expected it to be. I, I, I mean, I remember when we were talking, I almost expected a blowout in this game. Um, we didn't, we definitely didn't get that. It definitely came down to the wire, but, um, what, 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 what's your take from, uh, from the Rams three point win over this, over the 49ers? Couple factors. One, if everybody, Matthew Stafford has taken more negative abuse than a lot of number one picks I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, this guy, Matt Stafford, played for a losing franchise without dependable wide receivers except Megatron. Didn't right. play without a great running game. Find crappy offensive lines in the division with Aaron Rodgers for the attacking. Now, he's got arguably one of not the best play calls in, in football, Sean Ravay. The best wide receiver in football, Cooper Cup. Yeah. A playmaking star in Odell Beckham. Van Jefferson, emerging number three receiver. Tyler Higby, if he's healthy, a dependable tight end. Right. And, a, and two reliable running backs. This is a game that Matthew Sack was built for. Jimmy G was not is not the reason why the 49ers lost that game. Matthew Stafford won that game because San Francisco came at him early and all. They laid the dump in the staff. I remember a couple of times where Stafford took shot after shot, and I'm like, is he, will he be okay? Because it looked like it was open. But yet Stafford came up after every play and just kept fighting, just kept fighting. And in the end, there's a reason why the Rams gave up two first-round picks in Jared Goff. It's because Matt Stafford's the difference maker. Jared Goff's not winning that game yesterday. No. Nope. Matthew Stafford won that game. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I, I think it's almost fair to say that Matthew Stafford might be one of the most, if not one of the most, or if not the most, one of the most, at least underrated players in the NFL. I mean, Bingo, uh, bingo, bingo. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously, you know, it's hard to be noticed. It's hard to be um, uh, properly awarded, properly recognized is the word when you're a member of the Detroit, of the Detroit Lions franchise. I mean, it's, it's one of the worst franchises in professional sports, and – it just sucks the life out of every fan, player, coach that ever goes there. I mean, credit for Dan Campbell. Credit to Dan Campbell, honestly. Just a brief little segue about the Lions. Credit for him for having the uh, the attitude he has, which I think is a, is a unique attitude that I think might actually help the Lions down the road. You know, but 
I mean, Matthew Stafford must have been singing praises to Jesus in this offseason when he when when he got the call that he was moving to sunny L.A. instead of frigid Detroit and able to play for a competent franchise. Because, I mean, as he proved yesterday, like you said, Jared Goff wasn't going to win that game yesterday. You put you flip Jimmy Garoppolo and put him on the on the on the Rams yesterday. I don't think he wins that game yesterday. You know, you and by the way, you said Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't the reason why why the 49ers lost that game it was more Matthew Stafford winning that game and I absolutely agree with you however Jimmy Garoppolo did not help the 49ers case I mean I watching that fourth quarter drive uh, that that very last drive of the game I called I called it was going to be an interception before the drive even started because it's just Jimmy Garoppolo is not he's not the guy you want under setter when you're down three in a championship game to go to a Super Bowl it's just he's not he's not good enough in my opinion however Matthew Stafford I mean he he did what he needed to do to win the game yesterday. It wasn't the prettiest game that the Rams have ever played, but it was the game that they needed to play to get to the Super Bowl, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., amazing addition to that offense. Cooper Cup, like you said, best receiver in football. Two very strong running backs, two very different running backs who complement each other very well. Obviously, the Tyler Higby injury hurts really bad for the Rams. They're they're I, you know that they're hoping that he's going to be able to be ready to play in that Super Bowl game because he's a key part of that offense as well. But, I mean, at, at the end of the day, the Rams were the better football team. There was really no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The defense just overwhelmed the 49ers. The offense is more methodical, is more uh, – uh, they, they have a better game plan with a better coach to be able to put them in, be- in the best situations to win that game. It wasn't pretty, but they did what they needed to do to win that game. Jimmy Garoppolo just isn't good enough to be able to take that game over and win it. And the biggest thing that the 49ers are really good at is running the football. And I don't know if you've seen the rushing stats from the 49ers. A lack of rushing stats where the Niners ran for a grand total of 50 yards. Yeah, I mean. That's not You're not going to win too many playoff games if you're a run first team. Yeah, I mean, Debo Samuel, their leading rusher, obviously, you know, it's it, he has a huge uh, influence in their running game. It's not a, abnormal for him to be leading the team in rushing. It's just normally he gets a little bit more than 26 yards. Elijah Mitchell, I mean, a non-factor, 11 carries for 20 yards, a 1.8 average. It's just that's not going to get the job done. And, I mean, and without an effective running game, Jimmy Garoppolo was not the guy to be able to take over that football game and win it through the air. I mean, like I said, I was watching the very end of that football game with my dad, and I said, right when that drive started, I was like, I know Jimmy G's going to throw a pick here. Obviously, he had to make something happen, but it's a three-point football game. You didn't have to go 80 yards. You had to go about 40 yards, and I just had no faith in him to be able to get it done, and he threw the pick to uh, end up finishing off that game, but... You know, the better team won, I think, you know, I don't, you know, I was kind of half predicting a blowout in that game. The Rams didn't need to blow them out. Like you said, I mean, they played the game they needed to play to win the game. And uh, it's a rams Bengals Super Bowl, and I can't wait for it. Um, to be honest, one other difference with the, um, you know, it's weird looking at the 49ers. I mean, I'm not sure if it's – I'm not sure because of coincidence or not, but two years ago, Kyle Shan and the 49ers blew a double-digit lead in the homes in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, 
Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers for a double-digit lead to the LA Rams. Yeah. And even if you remember back to the Super Bowl 51, we was the OC in Atlanta. The Falcons blew a 28-3 lead against the Patriots. Is it because Kyle Shanahan's a bad coach or what? Because in three big games, Kyle Shanahan seems to have blown double-digit leads. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, you know, I honestly, I can't believe the Rams got this. I'm not the Rams. I'm sorry. I cannot believe the 49ers got this far. I think the 49ers are, I, you know, going into this season as a Miami Dolphins fan, we own the 49ers pick this season. So I, you know, we had the same exact situation last season with the Houston Texans. You know, I was rooting against the Texans all year because I want that draft pick to be as high as they can. It's very exact same situation with the 49ers. And I was pretty confident, you know, going into the season, I was thinking, you know, the 49ers, they've got some decent talent on that team. Uh, but I don't think that they've got a, the quarterback and B just the overall team to be able to really make too many things happen this season. I was expecting about a 15, a pick, pick 15 was about where I thought Miami was going to end up this year. I just, you know, I really think the 49ers got lucky this off season. I think that the 49ers were overrated and I can't believe I just, I, it still just shocks me that the San Francisco 49ers got to the NFC championship game this year. I mean, if it wasn't for the Dallas Cowboys having, I mean, obviously that game, the, the running play by Dak Prescott did not help their case. It was still, they still had a lot of work to do, no matter that play, no matter that play happening or not, but I can't believe they got past the 40, the, the Dallas Cowboys. We know the green Bay Packers are choke artists in the playoffs, but I cannot believe that the 49ers got past the green Bay Packers. And I can't believe that it was only a three-point game against the Rams. I mean, I guess I have to give credit to the 49ers for being able to make it that far because I just really did not see it in them. Agree. Because, I mean, sometimes you just see – I feel like in a way the 49ers are a team built to have a lead because the San Francisco lead, yeah. the Niners can run the ball – but if you get San Francisco trailing, like in the on the last drive, Jimmy G's not Jimmy G's not a guy who can overcome a, a deficit. Joe Burrow can overcome a large deficit. Josh Allen can. Pat Mahomes can. We yep. saw yesterday Matthew Stafford and the uh, Rams overcame a large deficit. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it on the head right there. So, we're going to have a lot about the Super Bowl. But you know what's interesting about the Super Bowl? Lately, there have been a lot of old coaches in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, Bruce Arians. Well, we've got two, I don't know if we call them young, young coaches in the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor... <laughs> Who I can I cannot believe he will be coaching the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. I know. Zach Taylor is all of 38 years old. And and uh, it's funny about Mr. Taylor because if I'm not mistaken, he was the LA Ram quarterback coach. So 
talk about coaching trees. You, we've seen Bill Belichick coaching trees not always work out well. Andy Reid coaching trees work out better. How about Sean McVay's coaching tree with one of his protégés against the man himself? Oh, by the way, Sean McVay is actually younger than Mr. Taylor because <laughs> Sean McVay, can you believe this? It's still 36 years old. I know. He's he's younger than half the old quarterbacks in football. He's younger than Aaron Rodgers. And and he is has created one of the most electric and, and fun to watch offenses in the NFL. I mean, and that's and that's just it's a testament to to where this league is going. I mean, you look at some of these uh, head coaching candidates. I mean. It, uh, from a biased perspective, I'm looking at Mike McDaniel, the 49ers offensive coordinator, who is one of the top candidates for the Miami Dolphins job. He's not, I mean, he's one of the younger guys, one younger up and coming guys. I mean, you look at, at um, one of the Jaguars targets, if we want to stay within our podcast, I mean, uh, Byron Leftwich, he was he wasn't out. He, he hasn't been out of the league for too long. I mean, he's not a, a 50 year long experience head coach in the league. I mean, it just seems like with the, the creativity that's needed to win in the NFL these days, because these defenses have seen everything at this point, these defensive coaches have seen every kind of offense that people can imagine. And you've got to be able to adapt and, and, and stay creative and, and keep those defenses on their toes or else you're not going to be able to make anything happen. And it's, it's been really fun to be able to see the development of, of, these, these coaches that have learned under, and it's so interesting to see, you know, the trees, like you, like you mentioned the Mike Shanahan tree. I mean, the Bill Belichick tree gets talked about all the time. And I knew that well with Brian Flores. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's become a new NFL. Obviously it's, it's, it's pass heavy. Um, You know, it's, it's all about creating different schemes and creating different lineups to make the defense not, not sure about what they're seeing. I mean, this is only what we're only talking about the offensive offensive side of the ball we haven't even gotten on into the defensive side of the ball with different blitz packages and different coverages and, and disguised coverages and disguised blitzes and it's just it's 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 a joy as a fan I mean I mean I know you enjoy it it's been great watching these these new new age coaches really come in and be able to to create uh NFL offenses and NFL defenses and and, and show the fans things that they haven't seen before and I love it I mean, I don't want to see Andy Reid and Bill Belichick going uh, going up against each other in the AFC Championship game, or or you know, it's it's old news. It's stuff that you know, it's it was great ten years ago, even when when it was the Peyton Mannings and the Brady's and the Breezes, and and but you know, it's new football. It's it's getting exciting again, and it's it's fun to watch as a fan and just as a lover of the game. I, I've I'm all I'm all for it. I'm welcoming it, and uh, you know, it's. It's something that I'm enjoying. I can't wait to see more of in the future. Yeah, and uh, the fact that these guys are still in their mid to upper 30s, potentially 20, 30 years ahead, who knows what these young pups can do. I mean, Matt LaFleur is part of the Sean Levesque yep. coaching tree. tree. And we'll see uh, who's the uh, Ram. Maybe the Rams OC becomes the next HC. Yeah. It seems like everybody's picking – the is picking guys off the Sean McVay coaching tree. Absolutely, I mean he's he's one of the most 
he's one of the brightest young minds like that have really jumped into the scene of NFL coaches. I don't blame franchises for wanting to kind of pick up, pick a branch from that tree and really try and learn as much from his brain as they can. Cause I mean, these, these LA Rams this year, I mean, they went all in, they pushed, they shoved their chips to the middle of the table. They, they said, we're not going to have a first round pick until 2024. We're not going to have a first round pick until 2030. If that's what it means to really be able to build a team that can win a Super Bowl. And they've, they've gotten there. They've gotten there. It's just a matter of in two weeks, if they can really get the job done, but it's, it's definitely a strategy that a lot of teams don't, I mean, teams value draft picks in this league and it's, it's a, a, definitely a unique way of going at it. And so far it's worked. And, um, you know, in two weeks time, we'll see if, if that Matthew staff, if the Matthew Stafford edition, if, if the, um, the Vaughn Miller edition, you know, so all these guys at the Odell Beckham edition, these guys that they bring in, they say, we don't need the draft picks. We don't need rookies. We're going to take proven veterans who know the league, who know the game and can work together. And that's what they've done. And in two weeks, we're going to see if they can really finish the job. But, I, I love the new NFL, man. It's, it's, you know, it was, it, I, I'm, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to say it was getting stale, but you know, you kind of, it kind of seemed like it was getting a little bit repetitive and we're starting to see, to see some new stuff. And it's, it's, a, it's a blast to go to watch. I apologize for Alice's parent going bananas. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's still chomping up a bit of the last night's games, but uh, thanks for hopping on Alex. Uh, 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 I can't believe this. Uh, it's almost Super Bowl. We're gonna have a Super Bowl theme episode next week, and we'll, we'll announce all things. Maybe get some props. Alex is gonna have Alex come up with your best Super Bowl trivia question because you because you will not stump stump me next. No, week. I won't be able to stump you. I'll try my absolute hardest, Dylan. Um, but. I will. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'll think of something good, and I can't wait to talk about it next week. All right. Later. Later, homie. All right. Thanks for having me.